Welcome to episode nine of Talking About Alliance. I'm Ari, joined as always by Hirsch. Welcome, Hirsch. Hello, Ari. And joining us, our special guest for this episode is another Mojo Desert player, a finalist in Muses. Hello, Muse. Hey, Ari. Hey, Muse. Hey, Hirsch. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Good to put a face to the name. Yeah. Cheers. We have a good amount to go over, down to now seven players left in the game. Um, so let's get to it. Um, right as we were recording last time was when there was an, a bit of an idle chase. Um, was that the Glade in the Fairy Command? That was the Glade, yes. And uh, so Shitters hit a bit of a dead end, and sometimes it helps having that second pair of eyes going through a command. and. Decided to help have Crab come and join him um, and eventually hit the end and found a blessed idol, which if we believe Shitters will, you can play it, you can't transfer it and can play it for anyone other than yourself like a normal idol. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking uh, what, the, uh, what the difference between, you know, in our previous season in um, Discordia, in Discordia, we had a uh, blessed necklace, which had to be transferred, and the tribe going into tribal knew. Did you hear any of that? Yeah. And the tribe going into tribal knew who had the necklace. It was a blink, I guess, because it was it was presented to him at the beginning of the tribal. I'm assuming a blessed idol is like a regular hidden immunity idol, except it, it has to be played on another person by the person who has it um, after the votes were read. So um, this could be very useful to shitters moving forward to protect an ally, especially if he knows where those votes are going onto his ally. Um, the big problem here is that Crab knows he has it, and we all know that Crab does not have shitters' best interests at heart. So this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So, so you said that you think this bless, blessed idol can uh, can only be played after the votes are read. That is my. I'm, I'm thinking it's essentially a blessed hidden immunity idol. It can be played like a regular hidden immunity idol before but the votes are read, but after before the votes, everyone yeah. votes. After oh, the votes I see. But before the votes are read, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just supposition. I mean, uh, Shitters hasn't really gone into a whole lot of detail in his uh, confessional which seems to be the running theme of the season. So who really knows what this, uh, what this uh, idol, idol's true power is? Yeah, I think, um, well, one, one application is if, um, I guess this is kind of jumping ahead, but moving forward, if, if the Girls Alliance and, and Barker decide to go after Bun, then this is something that shaders can really impact <coughs> by playing the Blessed Idol on Bun. And that would, that would basically nullify all their votes should they go after Bun, and it um, it would it would basically allow Shitters and Bun to vote out whoever they wanted to. Yeah, and I think if uh, if it's going to be played on anyone, it's going to be played on Bun. It's not going to be played on Crab. It's not going to be played on Barker, Harpy. It, it, it's there's one application for this, and and I think Shitter realizes that, and hopefully. He doesn't uh, 
he doesn't pull the trigger on it too soon. Um, one thing I put in the notes that, and now I think I've, by now everyone's kind of moved on, but some chatter when this was happening in the viewers' lounge about Crab has bet, better not make a move against him uh, for whatever reason. I think most of that's sarcastic, but obviously she can do whatever she wants and whatever she thinks is the best move for her, and you can encourage that kind of way of playing. The audience can cheer for whomever they want as well and, and jeer. Um, I'm no crab fan in respect to uh, the game. I'm, I'm definitely on, on, on team shitter um, in that respect. There's not a lot of other people to be rooting for at this point, unless you're just going for chaos. But uh, you know, there are, you know, the, the viewers lounge gets vocal and passionate. And, um, and so, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a, a schism uh, in the, uh, in the lounge as well as in the game. Yeah, I think the point that I had been trying to make, and I think everyone's moved on by now, is that having the person make a move that votes out your favorite player is still going to be a lot more fun to watch than having a bunch of people who do nothing and let one person sail to the end. Yeah, I mean, as a as a as a viewer, um, there's there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, big plays left. The big the you know we'll, we're about to touch on the the biggest play to date um, once we talk about the next tribal council but but yeah as a viewer you want to see some action and ultimately it really you know it doesn't matter who wins as long as they win well I think that's what we want to see as a viewer actually I'm I'm I I kind of don't have like huge expectations about tribals moving forward but what I am excited about is is the jury and final tribal council because I think a lot of the fireworks could happen when when the jury decides to speak his mind. Yeah, that could be a this could be a salty uh, this could be a salted jury. Um, it should be interesting, definitely, especially with the uh, with the the last uh, with the next person as we're about to touch on who uh, who joins who joined the Ponderosa. Also, the next day after this idol was found, um, players get called into their next immunity challenge. And oh, no surprise, it's actually tribal council with no immunity and no pre-planning, um, which was quite the twist. I don't think anyone was expecting, um, and and very interesting result. Um, as they talked for a while. Uh, and ultimately the votes come in and there were four votes against ace, which was enough for, I guess you call it a blind side. Um, and then outside of that, two for Renneke, two Harpy and one Jesus. Um, the thing I wanna ask about is there was a lot of talking before the vote. Um, how much of that ended up being signaling that actually affected the vote here? I think Link, well, for one thing, Harpy came out and said straight up, she was voting for ace um if anything that emboldened crab and link to uh have some confidence in voting for ace um especially when you consider with that with the a surprise tribal something which plexi had been trying to pull off for three se you know four seasons now um i think that emboldened them to go ahead and go through with going for ace and hoping that barker would as well um 
and 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 when you consider that Jesus said he was voting for, you know, the votes were all over the place. Ace had not had time to solidify his votes like he had been doing. And um, it was a perfect time to take that swing because he was not going to have that, that consensus going into this because he didn't have time to build it. Um, so, yeah, I think, strangely enough, Herpy saying out loud in the middle of this tribal, I'm voting for Ace was what sealed Ace's fate. Yeah, I think it was also um, pretty important that Crab and Link had basically sort of like worked out a system in which they could communicate to each other whether they were going to stay loyal to Ace or, or backstab him. And I think the, that the fact that they were able to get on the same page in the middle of Tribal without really any other people noticing, I think that was also crucially important. Yeah. Definitely. What did they say? Was there anything specific from those two? What did she say? I thought she said, I think, I think Link said basically, I, after hearing all of this, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick with the plans that were previously discussed. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think in, in what she said, that was her speaking to, uh, to crab saying let's do it let's go for ace and so the other things i want to ask about um so if it wasn't this surprise tribal council if people had time to strategize um and assuming ace didn't win the immunity challenge would it still have been him going home i don't think and so how much credit do you give crab and link link for having this plan start ahead of time and then have that lead into this tribal council. I'd give them all the credit. I think that was, um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed that they managed to pull that off actually, because um, it's always, it's, it's, I think Ace was, Ace still had his fair share of allies, I'd say, and a fair share of people who are willing to go with him for at least one, one or two more votes. And I think the fact that they managed to pull this off, like they, they do deserve the credit, um, even though it, um, they obviously didn't anticipate the tribal. I think the fact that they planned ahead um, should earn them the credit for the ace blind side. Well, they had they had actually thought. I mean, all the discussion about a possible ace vote when Glorf went out really fed into this because it was literally like the next day. Um, so they were able to just kind of take that positive momentum, like Muse said, and just transfer it to the next tribal i mean all you know especially when you compound it with um with the way that uh ace kind of went out um or with 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 the way glorf went out and the way ace kind of you know his ballad and there was a lot of negativity built off of there that just kind of fed into that next tribal and uh and uh and, and that's why Ace is gone i mean it was strategically they were able to justify taking him out and then he gave them a personal reason to add to it, and um, yeah, I mean, they didn't look back. I don't blame them. It was the right move at the right time. Uh, and this is the one other big thing um, it comes from Harpy, a pushing that growth alliance starting here and now coordinating votes, um, and also you know the tribal council before she, when she said, "I'm voting for Jesus." And Jesus said, I'm going for Harpy. I think that kind of scared off Lincoln Crab, um, knowing that they weren't going to have enough votes to even force a tie. Um, so, yeah. had, knowing that they have her vote 
I think gave them the power to pull off this move. Absolutely. It's uh Harpy will be the uh disposable member of that trio when and after it comes time to uh c- to cut one of them. And um and if the if anyone else in that group is paying attention, they need to if anyone else in the tribe is paying attention, they need to and and they are, they're talking about possible girl alliances. They need to start uh chipping away at that before they don't have time. And uh and they're quickly running out of time. Right. Well, yeah, I, I actually thought that the current sort of the strategic situation of a potential girls' alliance is very interesting because before the ace blindside, it was pretty much this, this pack of eight and elim- eliminating the remnants of Glorf's alliance. But after the ace blindside, it's totally splinter now. And we're, we're in the final seven with, with no clear majority alliance. And I think this opens up a lot of different strategic possibilities. Um, we, we can see maybe, for example, the, the girls' alliance um, sort of if, if they manage to get past the final seven and into the final six, they could really start driving the game. Or maybe we could see Shitters and, and Bun, the so-called sports bros. We could, we, we could see them maybe um, operate, operate the several blindsides from the shadows. So I think the lack of a clear majority alliance in, in this game um, means that nobody re- can really be comfortable. Everybody has to always be on the watch out on the watch for maybe a blindside coming their way. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, Shitter and Bon, you have the three ladies. Um, Jesus, this is kind of there. And then um, you got Barker. And uh, I think Barker is a crucial cog in anybody getting to really, truly move forward. Because the easiest thing in the world right now would be for Barker to swoop up Jesus, go with Bun and and uh, Shitters and take out the women, or just take out whoever he wants to weaken them. Barker can kind of bounce back and forth right now because the whole concept of alliances is really kind of out the window this season, and it's really been about voting blocks. And I think that's going to continue to play out over these next couple of tribals. Uh, yeah, so that's the way the game goes. You have a player who looks like they have all the power and allies and looks like they're cruising to the end and a challenge to it, and all of a sudden, surprise, they're blindsided going home. So that leads into the next immunity challenge. This was yesterday evening, the Joust Challenge. Um, basically, a in some ways, a glorified rock, paper, scissors, but a ton of fun to watch and a lot of planning that goes into that. Um, and I think it got even more fun as the players and the viewers also started to get more into the strategy, seeing a few rounds of it. Uh, so it was a giant bracket, uh, one-on-one matchups. So the first matchup, it was Crab defeating Renneke, Shitters defeating Harpy, Jesus over Link Link, and Bun over Barker. In the semifinals, it was Sugar's taking down Crab and Bun over Jesus. And you had the sports bros final that everyone was cheering on. And in the end, it was Bun that came away with the win as his first immunity challenge. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised by Bun taking home this challenge because um, I, I sort of expected Shitters to be the more uh, brainy and strategic player, I guess, for whatever reason, and it and it turns out that um, 
uh, but I guess Bun just executed better in in the final, and I think this this could really um, give Bun sort of the momentum he needs to get more involved in in other aspects of the game, like the social and strategic aspects, because we've seen how he's mostly been uh, just he's uh, form, forming the social bond with shitters, talking about sports, but. You know, there's there's five other players in the game, and maybe he'll start talking to them too. We hope. One would hope. Yeah, I, I, I could I could tell from their semifinal matchups that Bun and Shitters had very similar strategies. Um, they almost played out identical, and so uh, I figured if they were going to utilize the same strategies going into uh, their finals matchup, that we would have a nice long contest, and they would be kind of really going neck and neck. And uh, and Bun finally was able to pull out ahead and uh, Harry when the, when the others lunged and um, you know, he got, he got to that point where he got himself a guaranteed two points and it was done, but uh, it was fun to watch um, and good for Bun. Um, really kind of put a target on him, I think, but he's, he, he's, I think like he's like legit in the game now. And I, and I think he's a, I think he's a challenge threat moving forward because of how he approaches things. Yeah, I mean, Bun has been sneaky good at a lot of these challenges. Um, he was the only one who increased their point value in the item swap. That was the last challenge without having items handed to him. Um, and he, he was third in the gem quest, the bats and gems. Um, so goes third, second to first. He was good in a lot of the premier challenges as well. Um, and the other thing is, after this challenge, we're starting to see him really pick up in strategy-wise, I think. And that's kind of sticking out to me. Could he be more of a threat going forward, or is it a little too late to get started? I don't think it, 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 it's never too late in this game. I mean, he's he's playing at the right time. If he'd been, if he played like this earlier uh, in the season, he might have been voted out early. Um, he's still clearly on people's uh, radar, and he might be, you know, the next victim of uh, Crab's kill list, as she put it. But um, you know, that's yet to be uh, that's yet to be written. You know, so we'll uh, we'll see. But um, if he's in the game, he's a threat to win challenges, and um, you know, I think he's got to be considered a favorite just in that respect moving forward. Right. Um, yeah. Bun becoming a challenge that and potentially like taking multiple immunities in a row en route to final tribal council could be, I think it could really shake the things up, especially for say a potential girls alliance. Um, but I think regarding his prospects to win, I think that ship might have already sailed honestly, because um, so many people have already um, been eliminated on, and they're sitting on the jury. Um, people such as, you know, Table and Glorf, you wonder how much did Bun talk to them? And if Bun <coughs> does get to Final Tribal Council, will one or multiple jurors accuse him of not, be, not really being a social player, not really engaging with that aspect of the game? Yeah, it can happen that way. Definitely. Yeah, so um, I think Bun is definitely someone to watch. Um, so he had immunity which might have been a good thing for him, the way that this vote ended up shaking out. Um, and the way it shook out was basically a bunch of people went around, nobody came up with any ideas, and everyone said, well, if we just get rid of Renneke, 
I'm not going to step in the way of that. And that's basically what happened. They took the, they took the high road, the easy road, the, the path of least resistance. Um, there was opportunities here for, you know, people to, to, to strike against the budding uh, girl Alliance. Uh, if crab had wanted to, she probably could have taken out the uh, shitters right here um, and get that challenge, get that power out of, you know, out of the game. Um, but no one really wanted to put in the work. And um, after the last few tribals, I mean, you, you could say, well, I can, I don't necessarily blame them, but um, at this point of the game, you, you take your shots when you can and taking out Renicky was just kind of lazy and boring, honestly. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I guess from a viewer perspective, it, def it definitely wasn't the most interesting tribal, but I would, I would actually say from a strategic perspective, if Crab is trying to go with the Girls' Alliance, I think any, any vote that sort of turns, turns eyes away from the girls is a, is a good vote. Um, I, would, I would compare this with, say, the, the, in, in Mojo Desert, um, the way basically, the, the way Sahar Trio oper operated post-merge is that um, we knew we, we were a, a minority voting bloc, so the only way we can move forward in the game is to turn other people against each other. And any vote that wasn't us was a good vote. So that's, that's a strategy I think that we used fairly successfully in our season. And I could see the Girls' Alliance doing that this season as well. Yeah, I'm going to push back against um, you, Hersh, a little bit on this. I think this vote uh, it does make sense for the players in this. I think, like, some of the players, people maybe there's a bigger target that would have been better off taking out here. But when you have someone that you don't really know where they stand, what alliance they're in, and no one, you don't really know who they're talking to, um, and you know that, like in Shitter's case, you haven't talked to him in six days, and anytime you try to talk strategy, there's just nothing happening. Uh, it's not real. You don't really want that person around, and it you're definitely not going to go out of your way to defend them and try to push the target somewhere else unless you really think there's an advantage elsewhere. Fair enough, but and I, and I'll counter your counter in that. Somebody like that who is a free agent, why don't you try to take this opportunity to get him in your back pocket? You know, you could, you could, you could basically get Nick, you know, with you, voting with you, another number for you to take out someone who you know isn't necessarily with you. Take out Jesus. You know, he, um, you know, Shitter's had a chance to take out Jesus, and he just kind of, eh, he, he kind of just rolled over on, on Renicky. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you can, you could, you can look at it as getting out an unknown or securing somebody for your numbers moving forward. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, it remains to be seen how it's going to play out. I mean, I get the vote. It's an easy vote. I don't necessarily think it's the best for everybody's game, but that's uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing about opinions. We all got them. Yeah, I think the only person who really tried doing something like that was Barker, who said, well, it looks like you're on the chopping block, but I'll try to make something happen. Um, and then he maybe didn't try too much. Maybe kind of looked around and felt like, oh, this isn't, it's going to be a push for me, and it's just not worth it. Putting, sticking my neck out for someone who's not really active. 
that was jury management and, uh, and, and good jury management, I thought. So good, good on Barker for uh, that is something that Renicky will remember while he's sitting in Ponderosa is that at least Barker approached him, was honest about it, and, uh, you know, and, and made it seem like he was trying to save him there at the end. Yeah, that, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, um, how, how, the, the, how, how Renicky perceives the, um, the players who basically voted against him. But regarding Barker specifically, I, w- I would like to add that while he was pretty supportive and honest with Renicky before, before the tribal, during the tribal, he basically reiterated that he was voting for Renicky and basically like, he, was, he was not shifting votes to anybody else. So I wonder if Renicky will feel perhaps a sense of betrayal that Barker tried to talk, talk up his chances of survival before, but basically kind of dumped him in the, in the middle of tribal. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about all this, uh, and one thing we poked a lot at was that anytime anyone tried to bring up anything else, it was, uh, well, maybe, but the majority wants Renicky. <laughs> And it's like, well, no one ever stops and thinks, well, who is this majority? I can form my own majority quite easily. Um, and the other interesting thing, though, is right before when Renicky, right before tribal, he went to a few people and basically said, and he said this at tribal too, Harpy and Jesus are the biggest threats. That was a fake feud. Um, so is he going to be talking up those two at Ponderosa? And are there going to be people there who will listen to him about that? God, I hope so, because <laughs> if one of those, uh, if, if Harpy or Jesus somehow ends up in the uh, FTC, uh, it's, it would be freaking hilarious to see one of them, one of these grand co- conspirators win the, win the season just based off of uh, the misperception of all these other jurors who just have been, um, you know, Picturing them as these, uh, this this grand plan. Jesus has been in on like three or four conspiracies all season. So I don't know where they get it, but it's funny to watch. Yeah, um, it's funny how you mentioned um, and Renicky and Renicky possibly persuading others on the jury, because my perception of um, Renicky is that he's really he he really doesn't have a ton of strong opinions himself. Um, he like unlike some of the other jurors who have already had exit interviews. I can't say as much for um, um, what Renicky thinks about the game, but just looking at sort of his interactions, um, he's been pretty. He's been pretty quiet. He hasn't really tried to stir up any drama or express any strong opinions about the players. The most that he's ever said was um, Ari, as you said, while he was going out talking about the supposed secret, super secret alliance of Harpy and Jesus. Um, but other than that, I think he is. He might be a very open-minded juror. Yeah, I can see him being. Uh, I can see him being swayed by the other jurors, or or by anything somebody might say at, at, at FTC. I don't think if you asked him right now who he'd want to win or who he thought was going to win, that he'd have a strong opinion one way or the other. So in that respect, yeah, I think he'll have a very. So the one other thing that I found interesting, um, so I don't know what it is about Jesus, but Renicky is like the third or fourth person that's gone out and has been blaming Jesus as the mastermind on the way out. And that 
it, it's a weird thing that keeps happening, but if it happens again, could we be looking at a scenario where she just gets the ad with someone thinking you the goat and then wins all the votes? Bring it on. Survivor's a crazy game. You yeah. never you never know what's gonna happen, man. Yeah, you, you, you really there's any anything could happen, especially because um this final seven, there's again, there's no majority alliance. We could see any number of possible coalitions um, moving forward from this vote. Yeah, I think this game is still very much up in the air. Um, we could see it. We could conceivably see a Jesus Link Bun Final Three. I mean, what kind of craziness would that be? I was actually thinking about combinations of, of Final Threes earlier today. And I came to the conclusion that um, sort of, I think that that final three is really the best case scenario for, for Bun actually, because I think everybody else would have perhaps more social connection to the jury than Bun. Um, and I think Jesus and Link could really be two people who, who the jury maybe um, doesn't like on a social level and that would open their minds to Bun. But yeah. I do think in terms of like, power rankings or in terms of jury threats um bun bun is kind of not very high on the list and he needs to take along i think um two two people who are also not strong jury threats in order to maximize his chances and and and, and honestly right now we're all making a huge assumption that it's going to be a final three i mean you, you make it a final two and that opens up a whole nother world of possibilities so right yeah i think Right now, the game is, I, I would say the game has, um, is about to make a transition from what I, what I would say is from the early merge to the late merge. And so we're, I guess I would say that right now we're in like the mid-merge kind of stage. And I think this, is, this transition, it sort of happens in a lot of games where players have to sort of shift their mentalities from how do I get to Final Tribal Council to how do I win Final Tribal Council? sort of like going with the flow versus like directing the flow. Um, not sort of appearing of threats to other players versus making these big moves that earn you jury points. Yeah, good point. So that's all the recap that we have for this episode. And now we're gonna dig into and crack open this mailbag, uh, ask VIPs to send some questions. Um, and I have not looked at these yet, so let's see what happens. First question comes from Flair the Fairy, who asks, at this point, who are you personally rooting for and why? Along that, what makes someone a worthy winner? Hmm. Use, I'll let you start. Yeah, that's a tough question. I think there's really no right or wrong answer. I think it really is personal. And that's, um, that's part of what makes this game so interesting because it's about how it's, it really comes down to, in the end, the jury and what the jury thinks makes a worthy survivor. I would say, um, from my point of view, uh, if I were ever on a jury, um, who the, my definition of a worthy survivor or who I would cast my vote for is um, somebody who survived in the sense that they made moves that were difficult, but not unnecessarily so. So in other words, they did some very, um, hard or unexpected or made these big moves, but they didn't do this for the sake of making their lives difficult. They made, they made these um, difficult 
decisions or these, these, these difficult actions, they made these happen for some greater purpose. And I think if, um, I think this, um, the best way to represent this is if they made these difficult decisions or these hard moves in order to advance some sort of narrative of how they think they should have played Survivor. And ultimately, I think it does come down to um, what kind of game that you think should be played. I'm, um, I'm, in, I'm rooting for shitters right now. Um, just because, um, you know, I kind of like, I kind of think he kind of came in maybe having a limited viewer, limited viewing experience. Um, didn't really necessarily know what he was getting into and he's slowly growing into the game. I'd like to see him win. Um, there are people I'm definitely rooting against. So in that respect, if those people don't win, I'll be happy. Um, and as far as what makes for a worthy survivor, it's someone who, you know, who puts in some work, um, who, who shows up, does the challenges, works in alliances, works in DMs, does all the things that you would expect a survivor to do. They may not have the best all-around game, because if you have the best all-around game at any given point, and if it's too early, you're going home, because people will recognize that. But it's the person who is able to just do enough and be there and, you know, have a few lucky breaks. And, and, and if they do that and they get to the final three and they get the votes, then more power to them, man. They, they deserved it. Yes, so um, with Ace now gone, and I know there's always discussion about how he was in the game, um, a great friend of mine. Um, with him gone, I think I'm personally rooting for Sitters because, as you mentioned, it's been really fun seeing him grow. He's playing great, and I just enjoy watching people so much more that are really trying to win and really playing the game. Um, Crab, too, I'm rooting for, I think, to an extent. Um, and in terms, so in terms of, um, so from a jury perspective, I'm looking for who I see controlling the game um, through social relations strategy and challenges, obviously. But in terms of a worthy winner, I don't think that I think it's anyone who gets the most jury votes um, because I mean that's the game is you get the most jury votes, and however that goes, um, and there's obviously more dominant winners or people who are really, really close. But I think anyone who wins the game is by definition worth the, of winning. Uh, yeah. Our next question comes from Jeff Probe, and it says, how do I apply for Ryan Plexi's position? I'm a big fan, love Jeff. Uh, I don't think we have any information on that. You would probably have to ask Ryan um, if you're, and be willing to put in uh, hundreds or thousands of hours of work and might have a fist fight involved in that. I was going to say you're going to have to you're going to have to pry alliance from Ryan Plexty's cold dead hands. <laughs> you can start your own um, org. Yes, there's there's plenty of shitty orgs out there. Knock yourself out. <laughs> Go play Dan Viver. Our next question comes from oh, it's from Muse, who asks. If you could have been casted as an additional player in any alliance season, which one would you would you choose, and how well would you have performed? So, if you're asking you're asking us if we were in a different season, right? Yeah. In addition, uh, I would have. Uh, I was originally going to be in uh, Chattern, and uh, I had to bow out um, just because I wasn't. Um, 
in the right headspace for it, and I and I knew it would uh, require some uh, some attention. And I just wasn't there for it. So uh, I would have. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed that that cast. Um, it would that yeah. Chattern would Chattern would be my choice. Discordia. Oh, I don't know if I could have handled those folks. Yeah, I think so. If I was in Dark Fourth, I think it would have been a similar part where I would have had an easy time getting submerged, and then just my overall activity level would have made me a huge threat to everyone. Um, in Chattern, which I just I was almost in, but didn't couldn't have the time commitment. I think it would have been the same as everyone else, where I just get steamrolled by Lola by the merge. Miss um, Quarry would have been interesting because. I could have been more active, but not, you know, more active than everyone else. I probably well, would have know, done a whole lot better in the end. I was going to say, in Discordia, you have to consider, would you have been able to get through the triangle steamroller, knowing what you know about it now? Yeah, it probably actually would have taken me out right where, like, Brandon or maybe even I would have gotten yeah, as far I mean, as Jeffrey. If you don't think you could have beaten that, then you, you, you need to avoid Discordia like, like the plague. Did you have an answer for this? Oh, um, not really. I, I was, yeah. I would, I, I think it would probably come down to how well I would gel with, with the cast. And um, to that extent, I think I would probably um, be, more, be more comfortable playing in, in, in Chattern than in Discordia or in Dark Forest. Um, regarding like the, the Lola steamroller, I guess, I'm not sure how that would have worked out because I think, um, well, certainly the, the, the challenges would have been interesting, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how, I, how I would have done in, 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 in Chattern. Next question is an anonymous question who asks, why is Hirsch so good looking? Hirsch, what do you have to say? Just, you know, it's a uh, good breeding. Um, I, I work out a lot, uh, clearly. Um, yeah, I mean, just lucky, really. I can't, I can't, I can't help it. Um, it's just, you know, some people are just born with it. So good on me. Uh, our next question is from Banjo Sudswater, who asks, if I eat myself, will I get twice as big or disappear completely? Does anyone want to take this one? No. I, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question, please? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. Next question comes from Computer, who asks, based on what you've seen all this season, what types, what type of traits or gameplay do you think the jury, as it currently is, will be favoring? This what is kind a of, tough one. What kind oh, of what? Jury. What kind of traits or gameplay do you think the jury will be favoring? I think a lot of that depends on who ends up carrying the most influence with the jury. Um, like if Glorf takes the jury by the shirt collar and just drags them kicking and screaming into his point of view, then he's going to be, they're going to be looking for honesty. They're going to be looking for, um, you know, you know, integrity. Um, so uh, there's, we've seen, I think there's probably been plenty of instances where a one juror was really able to kind of uh, influence the rest of the jury. Um, might be ace might be Glorf, might be somebody who has yet to arrive, though I don't think there are any very strong voices left to land in that jury. Um, so uh, I think uh, Ace and Glorf are going to have a lot to do with how this goes. 
Yeah, I, w- I would agree mostly with Hirsch. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to know what the jurors are thinking, but um, I've actually looked, looked through the, the exit interviews of um, the, the three jurors that we have. And I think we could sort of split the jurors into two categories. Um, the first category, I would put Glorf and Ace as sort of potential influencers. These are uh, people who have, who, who, who have already formed opinions about what traits they're looking for. Um, for example, Glorf is saying he's looking for, quote, effort, skill, and craftiness, and, quote, care for the world and exploring. And especially with, given his background as a lawyer, I think he, he could really be someone to try to make a case for a, part, a particular candidate at, at, um, at Final Tribal Council, like someone who would try to plead the jury. Um, and also Ace has also mentioned that um, so some of the traits that he's looking for in his exit interview, in particular, how they, quote, how they try to justify how they treated me, and quote, some degree of respect is important there. So for Ace, I think we can expect a more sort of jury-centric argument, sort of like, how did you treat me? How did you treat the rest of the jury? Um, so yeah, and that would be the category of the influencers. And then on the other side with what I would say, uh, and Renneke and Sir R. Table, um, I see open-minded individuals um, who could turn out to be bitter jurors or they could turn out to be what, what, we, what we might consider like fair, fair jurors. And I think with a mix of both influencers and people who, and open-minded people, this could be a really, really interesting final travel council. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, like, I think you could actually have almost a reverse dynamic on the jury where Glorf is pushing someone really hard and in the way he makes his case it actually is going to push everyone else away from who he wants to win just because of the way they see him and the way he sometimes is a little over ambitious in making cases um i think a lot of it's going to come down to and we can't see any of this but what happens between ace and glorf um because i imagine as soon as he arrived there were a lot of hot feelings between those two and um, and I, th- I hope and I think that that will get resolved over time. Um, it's really easy to bond when we're making fun of players and, you know, just saying, oh, we were all so much better than them. Um, and it really does work. And so it could be those two kind of come to a consensus and everyone else listens. Or, I mean, you could have a situation where they're just going at it the whole time and everyone else just kind of rolls their eyes and goes their own way. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out and, whether or not we get clued into how things might go. Definitely. Next question from interested viewer. As from day one, who has been the biggest surprise this season and why? That's a good question. Um, of the people left? Or of the people who've played, I mean, for me, the um, biggest. Do either it doesn't specify. Um, for me, and it was, and it was sad again. I think I've hit on this before because her time was tragically cut short. Um, was trophy wife um, from going from somebody who clearly had no idea really what she was in for to somebody who was heavily invested and fighting, you know, and and and, and putting in a lot of effort on challenges and really getting into it. Um, she was a real pleasant surprise, and I think that's why we all a lot of people took it hard when she left. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I go with Trophy Wife. You know, 
I think there's a few candidates, but I think she's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, it's a bit harder for me to answer this one because I wasn't really, I think I joined the server around like day, day 11 or day 13. So um, too late to, I guess, get the first impression of the cast. But I would say that from the day I joined, um, I've been really surprised at how, how influential Crab has managed to become. I think that, um, especially when everybody's looking out for her, like who's the, who's the biggest threat? Who, who, need, who, who can't we take to find a tribal council? I'm, I'm impressed that she's been able to basically um, be the driving force in, in several of these past tribal councils. And I'm looking forward to how, how she continues to uh, progress with her game. Um, yeah, I agreed with that. Um, the bootless answer would be Bun, who was the lowest average, and I think um, most people had him going out first. And he's still around and starting to look even stronger. Um, another name I kind of want to throw out would be Link Link, who I think a lot of us saw early as someone completely inactive or was out for days at a time. Um, we're seeing now she still has, she's still not fully invested maybe has a weird sense of entitlement about some things, but at the same time, she's there to play and make moves and is at least playing the game, which in some ways is more than you can say about some of the other players. She's, um, she has org experience. And I think, and, and, you know, I, I don't know how much org experience you had prior to, to Mojo Desert uh, Muse, but I think, I think in, a, in the org world, you're looking for badges um, and getting to the final three is a badge. You may not win, but you got to a final three um, or final two. And I think at this point, I don't, I, if you ask Link right now, can, do you think you're going to win this game? She would probably say no, but I think she'll be happy with the, with the final three and somebody who is content just to get dragged to the final three as a goat is a dangerous person to have because they're willing to do whatever anybody else wants them to do to get to that point. And she's proven that at this point. She's proven that uh, to this point. Our next question here comes from Underdog Story, who asks, who do you think is the least deserving player to be considered for Phil Survivor? And can you make a case for why they could still be considered to win? Uh, I'll start with this one. I think you can say Harpy just because of the way she seems to have a negative relationship towards the game in general. There's Elton Camp saying, I'm not playing the game or strategizing. Doesn't seem to be doing a ton of challenges. Um, but I think there's definitely a path there where maybe she ends up in a final three with Crab and Link Link, and you have people on the jury saying, well, I don't like the way those two played and betraying allies and being mistrustful, kind of the way some of the jury talked about Lola for a while. Um, they look at Harpy as the third option who wasn't responsible for voting anyone out, doesn't have quote-unquote blood on her hands, and picks up quite just enough votes. I'm going to give a slightly cop-out answer here, but I think every winner is honestly deserving. I think if anybody were to win the season from this point, they would be a deserving winner. Um, because this game is about getting, getting those jury votes, and no matter how you get those jury votes, I think, I think really there isn't any one way that is superior to any other way. And if you can get those jury votes, then you know, more power to you. I'm not gonna comment on whether you deserved or did not deserve that win because you, you <coughs> played the game and you won, whether you intentionally played the game or whether you, you know, 
accidentally somehow got those jury votes, which you could arguably say is even more impressive because um, how, how do you accidentally or how, how do you win the game when your whole mojo is about like not playing the game? I think that would be something that might be considered even more impressive than like actually playing the game. So you can always, I think there's so many different perspectives on it that it doesn't, it's not really worth it to engage in what is and is not deserving. True. Um, well, you know, they say perception is reality. And right now, a lot of people have the perception that Harpy and Cheese are running the, running the show. Um, so in that respect, I, you know, who knows how, you know, such narratives build. But, um, and jury perspective is completely different than viewer perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of follow Muse on this and, and, and pass on the uh, pass on the question just because, like I said, for me at this point, it's more of, people I don't want to see win as opposed to people I don't think should win because if someone gets into that position from here on with as wide open as things are, um, they will have actually put in some work and got with the right people to put themselves in that position. So uh, let's see what, let's just see what happens before we, we start saying who's uh, not really worthy, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, I agree with that. I think um, not, least deserving but maybe least likely would be a better way of thinking about it yeah. um and also the other thing you said is about the idea of going back of um playing the game without wanting to play the game and winning despite that and i just want to give a shout out to lola who basically did that went the entire game saying i don't really want to do this um i'm probably going to get voted up next and i'm just going to have fun while i'm here and what seemed at a lot of times actively opposed to the idea of winning and then it was just so much better than anyone else that everyone else that she won anyway. I think it wasn't until what, maybe the final five where she kind of looked around and, 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 and thought to herself, you know, in like one of her confessionals, she actually finally said, Oh, I might actually win this thing. And then once, and she was doing so well before that point, once she decided that she wanted to do it, it was done deal. <laughs> Our next question says, pick only one of each. Who was this season's biggest hero and villain so far? For villain, definitely Ace. There's no two ways about it. Ace. That's um, definitely villain. I think Ace gets the villain through the game, from the game perspective, in the way that, you know, GD is a villain. Yeah. Even though we all love GD. This is, yeah, this is just based strictly on gameplay. And as far as hero goes, have we had a hero truly emerge at this point? I mean, Shitter is on the cusp. He, he, he could be the, the hero we deserve, if not the hero we need. Um, but, uh, I don't know, Shitter's is the closest thing to a hero we've got now who's still in the game. But Bun, Bun could be close. I think Shitter's, um, I think I said this last episode, has sort of that Denise narrative. Um, my tribe went for, to rocks for me day three and went to every tribal council um, except the one that I spectated where I wasn't able to, didn't have an immunity challenge before that. And I'm still here and haven't had to really betray anyone at any point along the way. I think that's also a big thing for a quote unquote hero. Yeah, I was, I was going to say Glorf, but then I realized He's not really a, I, I would not really, I, I changed my mind about that. I would say 
I think some of us like admire how he's played the game or some of us um, sympathize or empathize with his ideals of like this essentially like mer- meritocracy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would not really say, it, it would be hard for me to point out anybody specifically as a hero so far. Our last question comes from an adoring fan who asks, who is your favorite viewer? Who is your favorite member of production? Uh, I'm gonna pass on this one. This, um, this feels like a Meg question, I'm just saying right now. Um, I think Meg is loading the mailbox. Um, and so, uh, yeah, how can you pick a favorite member of production? Um, they, all, they all put in a lot of work. Um, <laughs> as far as viewers, I like the salty viewers. I like the Beckys and the Pastes. Um, a lot of the folks who've already appeared on the show, um, just people who are uh, for, you know, former players who aren't afraid to, uh, except for, Be- I guess, in, not in Becky's case, but former players who uh, have opinions and aren't afraid to share them, like yourself and, and, and me and, uh, and Muse. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, I... I <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pass on favorite viewer, favorite member of production. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Merlin. He's always there. He's always dependable. When you want to talk to him, you can always talk to him. He's always there for you. That's He's true. the best you can ever ask for. Very good answer. Very that's, safe. That's a great answer. Very um, safe answer, Muse. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all we have. Um, I'd like to change my there. answer. I'd like to change my answer to Meg. <laughs> is going to score positive points with one production member and negative with Damn. the rest. And Damn that's right. He's willing to make. Damn right. You know, you make, you got to make choices in Alliance. And this is me drawing a line in the sand. Mega bust. This is, this uh, is Hershey's yeah, big move. For this episode, any last words from anyone? Uh, we're dangerously close to uh, this becoming a, a steamroll for, uh, for some people. Um, I'd like to see some bold moves. I'd like to see some idle play. I'd like to see some command hunting. I'd like to see people in those sub channels working. I don't know that we're going to get it, but you know, hope springs eternal. Yeah. I would like to say that um, I've seen a lot of perhaps not like complaints, but sort of like joking or jokes about how the season hasn't really lived up to expectations. I would say, um, the season's only, it's really, it's really, we're, we're, we've basically just started the game. I think the merge is where the game really starts to pick up. And we've seen some, we've already seen one big blindside. And I think we could see a lot more moving forward. So don't get your hopes down. There could be a lot more better things to come yet. All right. Thanks so much, Muse, for putting up with our shenanigans on this episode. My yeah, thanks, for be, thanks for being here, Muse. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much, as always, Hirsch, for joining. Have a good evening, fellas. Y'all take care. Good night, everybody. We'll have our next episode later this week. Thanks so much for listening, and tune in then for another episode of Talking About Alliance.